Coming out in three, two, and one. Our Wisconsin Soybean Association stepping in now to have a little conversation with some of our researchers that are funded by your soybean checkoff dollars. Always want to remind you, if you want to keep up on the latest research, uh, what's happening with the Wisconsin Soybean Association, go to wisoybean.org, wisoybean.org, and follow them across all the platforms. Of course, Dr. Sean Conley is a... Information pivot is coolbean.info. If you want to check that out, he's got all kinds of great information and is a frequent user of what used to be known as Twitter X, getting information out quick. In studio with us now is my friend Rodrigo Worley. He's our University Extension Weed Specialist. And we were talking before we began this conversation about six years, huh? Six years Rodrigo has been a part of Wisconsin agriculture, huh? Tell me a little bit about what it was like when you first got to Wisconsin. Hi, Pam. It's great to be here today, and you're right. Uh, six amazing years. They've gone by fast. I remember getting here. Uh, we, you know, myself, my family, we moved here in uh, December of 2017, and I officially started the job January 1st of 2018, and I remember vividly my first week in the job. Uh, uh, Sean Conley and Joe Lauer, uh, they took me around the state for the agronomy updates back then, and they, that year, the agronomy update started, if I'm not mistaken, January 3rd. And we drove all over the state for about 10 weeks. And that was an amazing uh, start of my job because I got to go out there. Uh, I brought a survey with me just starting here. I wanted to know what the needs of our clientele were. So I brought this you know, two-pager survey with multiple questions. I passed it around. During the meetings, I had the chance to introduce myself, and during those uh, two first weeks on the job, I got a lot of great feedback from our clientele. I got to know them, they got to know me, and it was uh, phenomenal. I and mean, from the get-go, our Wisconsin clientele here is so amazing. They, uh, you know, they made me feel very, very welcome immediately from the get-go. What did that survey tell you? I'm curious. You know, six years is not a long time, but when it comes to agriculture and some of the challenges specifically that you've had to deal with, Rodrigo, you walked right into it. Tell me what that survey maybe indicated to you when you first hit the ground running in Wisconsin and maybe how we've worked to address it today. Yes, no, that's a phenomenal question, uh, Pam. And then one of the, the main questions that I asked is, what are the main weeds uh, we're dealing with in our corn, our soybeans, our alfalfa uh, cropping systems? And at that point, we started to get the signs that water hemp was here and was starting to explode. So from that survey, I quickly, I quickly realized water hemp is coming in and it's going to take off. And that's why water hemp has been a very, very important uh, weed species uh, for our research efforts. At that point, uh, you know, like giant ragweed was a dominant response. Okay, giant ragweed has been around the state for a long time. It's a difficult to control weed if you cannot control it uh, early on. So that was pretty evident. And I knew coming in from work that our predecessors had done. So I knew giant rag was a problem here in Wisconsin. But this water hemp, through the survey, I realized this, this thing is here and it's going to explode. And that has happened this past six years, Pam. Absolutely. Now, one of the reasons why we've got Rodrigo in studio is he has been fortunate to work hand in glove with the Wisconsin Soybean Marketing Board and your soybean checkoff dollars to immediately start to address some of those critical needs that producers identified. Before we get to all the field research that you've implemented since then, Rodrigo, let's talk about our agribusiness partners. Six years ago... We had a lot of different products, a lot of different platforms, and a lot of different companies that were invested in finding answers to our weed problems. That terrain has changed. 
Yeah, so first, I just want to comment uh, regarding the support we've had from the get-go from the soybean uh, marketing board, the Wisconsin Soybean Marketing Board. I remember I got here a little late to the game for that year for getting funds. Nonetheless, uh, they stepped up and they helped me from the first year. They provided some initial seed grants for my program that I was then able to hire a research specialist. Ryan DeWerf is our weed science research specialist. The board helped me be able to hire Ryan, and Ryan does a lot of amazing research uh, work out there. So they've been with me from the day I got here. They invited me to come and present at the corn, Wisconsin uh, Corn and uh, Soybean Expo up at the Dells. And that way I got the chance to get in front of a lot of growers uh, as well in February, right before my first season uh, started. So, you know, their support has been very, very instrumental. And the folks uh, involved with the board, they're pretty vocal. Last year, you know, they they understand what's happening across the state. They communicate with a lot of growers out there. They represent the growers. And they bring their concerns directly to us, whether it's to me, uh, to Dr. Sean Conley, to Dr. Damon Smith, uh, Dr. Brian Luck, and many, many other colleagues that are within the College of Ag system. So then our research is relevant to the folks out there. So kudos uh, for all the great effort that is done here uh, by the Wisconsin Soybean uh, Marketing Board. They've been tremendous supporters of our research and extension effort. And then as far, uh, Pam, as, as the industry goes here, that is a fascinating uh, conversation. I think resistance has been a driver. Uh, Waterhemp has been a driver uh, of a lot of the, the decisions that are made. You and I were having this conversation before the Roundup Ready era uh, took off, you know, from the mid-90s until, uh, you know, the 2010s, even like early 2020s here, you know, glyphosate is a phenomenal herbicide. Okay, and when it first, you know, when this first, this, this Roundup Ready crops first came online, Weed management became very easy and very simple. So for two decades there, managing weeds was simple. You put glyphosate in the tank, you can control your weeds in corn and soybean, right? Uh, and because that happened, I mean, that was a f- it's, it is to this day is a phenomenal technology, is a phenomenal uh, herbicide. It can really help our growers adopt conservation strategies. But now that we have this resistance, it's problematic. Where am I going with this? For two decades, uh, you know, being a company trying to look for new herbicides just didn't make sense because we had this, what they call once-in-a-century herbicide, which is glyphosate. There was no incentive for trying to discover a new chemistry because no one is going to use it, right? What is the point of investing millions and millions of dollars into trying to bring a new molecule into the market if there's no gonna, it, we're not going to have a place to sell it? So that was, that's the challenge that industry faced. I was telling you, Pam, you know, a couple decades ago, we had more than 100 companies looking, actively searching for new molecules. With all the consolidation that has happened in agriculture, we're now down to eight. We have eight big companies out there, and they are searching very hard right now because there's tremendous need and there's going to be a tremendous market for new molecules. This water hemp continues to evolve resistance. Our horseweed out there continues to evolve resistance, the giant ragweeds. So there is right now tremendous need for new molecules, and these companies are looking for it. However, we don't have 100 companies. We're down to eight. And this regulatory process in order to bring a new product to the market has become really expensive and very, very challenging as well. 
Absolutely. Again, if you're just joining us, that's Rodrigo Worley, our University Extension Weed Specialist and a critical partner with our Wisconsin Soybean Marketing Board. The field research that he's doing in Wisconsin, funded in large part by your soybean checkoff dollars. And let's talk a little bit more about that, Rodrigo. Uh, We mentioned consolidation in agriculture, expense on the regulatory side for new products. That would seem to me to put even more enhanced value on your in-state research. You're getting answers for us in our geography today on challenges that we're, we're facing and going to continue to face. Yeah, that question you just asked gives me uh, goosebumps, right? Pam, I mean, it's a tremendous responsibility and it's a tremendous honor uh, to be able to do this work and hopefully, you know, do our best to, to help our farmers out there. You're spot on. There are... We have some great tools in hand, right? We've lost some of them. Uh, there are not new tools kind of coming in. And I'm talking about chemical tools primarily. So we got to look at this more from an integrated approach, okay? So it, it does become a responsibility of our, you know, applied scientists or extension folks out there, folks like myself and, and my team members uh, to preserve what we have, to adopt best management practices so we keep postponing resistance as far as the good herbicides that we still have uh, available out there, but also looking at new strategies. And where this is where it's been fascinating because we get to work pretty closely with our crop protection industry. It is of their best interest that we preserve their products, okay? And ways of preserving those products is through using integrated approaches. So how do we best use the chemical programs and how can we best use some of the management practices that perhaps our growers weren't thinking too much about this back then, but they're thinking about it now, okay? A great example, we have a lot of discussion around this. One is cover crops, and the other one is planting date, okay? You talk with Dr. Sean Conley, you know, historically, soybeans were always planted after corn. But in the past couple of years since I got here, that has really changed, Pam. Our farmers are planting their soybeans early, and that's because of the research that Conley has done in his lab. They have done showing that there are tremendous benefits of planting soybean early, okay? But now if you stop and think about this, if you're planting a cover crop out there or if you're trying to manage weeds that emerge later in the season, that brings some challenge because instead of planting mid-May, late May, now we're planting in April. And that really shakes the system. And from a, you know researcher standpoint, that's fascinating because that's some big challenge that we got to tackle now. It's just this integrated research is fascinating and some of how this changes in management practices impact how we recommend things. Well, I always say that in Wisconsin, we are very fortunate as far as our soybean growers are concerned. We have the dream team. I call you guys the dream team. I can't cite another state that has had the foresight to assemble a team that can address issues Together in the same field, no Zooms, no catching a flight. Um, We're talking about Dr. Sean uh, Connors, Dr. Damon Smith, and then Rodrigo is the third leg of that stool. Tell me what it's like, what it's been like to be working collaboratively on these issues with those other team members, knowing that the Wisconsin Soybean Association, the Soybean Marketing Board, standing there waiting for your direction for those checkoff dollars. Yeah, no, for me, it has been very, very special, Pam. From b- Even before I moved here, I knew the, the caliper of the work that this group was doing. 
right? Uh, before I came to Wisconsin, I was at Nebraska. This is where I did my grad, grad work, uh, and this is where I started my career as a cropping systems extension specialist. So I knew of Conley's work. I knew of Damon Smith. We're coming here, and you know, I they're very, very respected in Wisconsin, but across uh, the other states. So I knew what I was up to uh, when I came here, and then when I moved uh, to Wisconsin, I got so fortunate because not only I got to work with them as part of this integrated team, but both of them were also my mentors throughout my tenure process here at the University of Wisconsin. So both of them, and also uh, uh, Dr. Uh, Dave Stoltenberg on campus, who's the weed ecologist. I had these three amazing individuals as my mentors as I progressed uh, through uh, the tenure system here at Wisconsin. So for me, this has been a very, very special relationship. Those are individuals that I always respected and I looked up to before coming here. And then when I came here, I got to work with them and also be mentored uh, with them. So I think from all angles, for me, it's been a win-win. And it's been fascinating uh, because as we were discussing before we started our conversation here, Pam, every time we change something, there's always a response to that, right? So as I use an example here, Conley has, Conley has been promoting this early planting of soybeans that impacts Damon's work and that impact my work. Okay, because if you're planting early, those soybean seeds are gonna sit in cold soil for a while, and this is when Dr. Damon Smith's research becomes very, very important with the seed treatments. If those seeds are gonna be there, ungerminated, exposed to the elements, we need to protect those seeds, and this is where Dr. Smith's research becomes very important. And for me, if we're planting very early, if we're spraying a pre-emergent herbicide very early, that pre-emergent herbicide is sitting there getting degraded over time. And by the time the weeds are actively germinating, some of those herbicides are already gone. So we're looking at, okay, if we're going to be planting that early, maybe we got to revisit the time we deliver our pre-herbicides. But then we have some label changes or challenges, excuse me, because most of those herbicides, the good herbicides for water hemp control, most of them have to be sprayed within three days of planting. So if you're planting in April, you got to spray within three days, but then the water hemp doesn't come until late May. So you have a herbicide that's sitting in soil, getting degraded, and not acting yeah. on water hemp. So that's one of the some of the fascinating challenges. And this is where the Wisconsin Soybean Marketing Board uh, has been instrumental funding research. We have some active work looking at that. I have one of my graduate students, Guilherme, right now he's doing that work. He's planting very early. He's spraying different herbicides at different times. We're pulling soil samples. We just sent all the samples to a colleague, Dr. Da Dr. Mueller at the University of Tennessee. We're waiting here to get some data back. So in 2024, Corn Soy Expo, that's going to be the focal point of my presentation, especially after a year that we had like this one with the drought conditions. So not only planting early, but a drought. How does that impact performance of herbicide over time? And we're on top of that. You know, and the other thing that we're, we're not talking as much about because water hemp has been in our crosshairs, you are pivoting all the time. Whenever a new weed is showing up, whenever a resistance issue is, is being brought up, just because we're talking about water hemp does not mean that that's your sole focus, Rodrigo. Tell them a little bit. You are always looking always trying to protect the growers and engaging, you know, even if it's just a conversation, you're always engaging with the Wisconsin Soybean Marketing Board to let them know what's out there. Yes. No, that is phenomenal, Pam. We get to talk a lot about water hemp because it's out there. 
uh, usually what I tell my growers, if, if they got water hemp, if they can control that water hemp, usually they can control pretty much everything else. Okay, so this is because this is how challenging that weed is. Okay, but oftentimes because we've become very, very water hemp centric, some of the herbicides that are still quite effective on water hemp, and remember, water hemp is a small seeded weed, right? So we go full throttle on residual herbicides. This is what we recommend, but sometimes those herbicides don't act as well on large seeded weeds. And I'm going to use a couple examples here. So giant ragweed is one of them. Common ragweed is one of them. We've seen a tremendous resurgence uh, of velvet leaf across the landscape. I mean, it's always been there, but now that we like start going more and more full throttle water hemp control, some of those herbicides are not effective on velvet leaf. So we're seeing a lot of velvet leaf. We're seeing Venice, Malin, Mallow. We're seeing bark cucumber. And again, those are all large seeded. One of the main reasons why we tend to see that is because back again to some of the resistance screening work that we've done back in 2018, 19, maybe we can expand on that in a little bit here, Pam. We show that most water hemp is ALS resistant, right? Resistant to group two herbicide, whether it's first rate or pursuit or classic, okay? So water hemp is resistant to that. That doesn't mean that our growers have to stop using those herbicides. And for, you know, some of them have stopped using it because they have targeted programs more more around water hemp. But one thing to bring back to the conversations is that the reason why we weren't seeing a whole lot of large seeded weeds out there is because the group two or ALS herbicides are phenomenal. So you put a pursuit out there, a classic, a first rate, they really help with giant ragweed, velvet leaf, bark cucumber. You take those out of the picture, suddenly it's there. You know what's fascinating about velvet leaf? Uh, Pam, a seed can last in a soil seed bank for more than 20 years. 20 years. There's this famous publication out there, 17 years after being in the soil seed bank, 25% of the velvet leaf seed was still viable. 25% of the common yeah. lamb's quarter seed was still viable. So those are seeds that... <laughs> Last well, forever. You. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, and, and uh, yeah, like you said, history teaches us anything. Uh, we know that those weeds have been around for decades. Again, in studio with us, Dr. Rodrigo Worley, University Extension Weed Specialist. He is part of the Wisconsin Soybean Dream Team. Dr. Sean Conley, Dr. Damon Smith, Dr. Rodrigo Worley out there working with soybean grower checkoff dollars to try to provide answers on issues they're dealing with today and looking ahead at issues they may be dealing with in the future. So let's talk a little bit about how you set up your agenda, Rodrigo. Some of it is based on historical data that you want to keep working on going forward. But now as you start looking ahead at the growing season of 2024, you have to forecast. You want to work with you know, continued resolution, for example, water hemp, and now, as you said, some of those larger hard seeds that are reoccurring. But how do you forecast going into 2024 and beyond, and how do you explain that to your funding partners like the Wisconsin Soybean Marketing Board? Yeah, that is such a phenomenal question. Uh question, Pam, because as an extension uh, specialist, we need to address what's happening now, right? But we also got to be ahead of the curve. We want to be ahead of the curve thinking 10 years from now. And this is one of the most fascinating part of our jobs is that we got to, you know, we got to stay on top of our things, seeing what's happening now. We got, we cannot get in our soapbox and only think about the future 10 years from now. Okay. So that keeps us in close proximity to our growers, to our crop consultants around the state. We have a phenomenal group of independent and, you know, dependent crop consultants out there that really help us stay on our toes. So as I plan my agenda for the wintertime here, I like to split most of my talks in two parts, right? 
what's happening right now and where I think we should be doing next year. But I also like to let our clientele know that we're looking at new ways of managing weeds or of managing our crops that, you know, might become a reality for them 10 years from now. I want to make sure that, you know, we remain relevant to our clientele today, but also uh, in the future, uh, right? So, for instance, 2023 was a very, very dry year, okay? And everything that I recommend for weed control, I don't want to say it failed, but it struggled in 2023 because my main recommendations these days have become the use of an effective Soil residual herbicide. Yes. And then we're doing a lot of cover crop research. And if you want to see suppression, weed suppression from cover crops, you need a lot of biomass. So the key thing for these two strategies to work is what you just said, water. We need water early season to get those herbicides in the soil and active in soil solutions so then they can control weeds. And if I want to promote high biomass cover crops, I need plenty of moisture because otherwise, especially cedar rye, if you let that cedar rye grow, it's going to suck up moisture. And whatever you call normal years yeah. or wet years, cover crops, you know, this high biomass cedar rye can really help farmers establish their crops sooner and be successful. But if it is a dry year, it can hurt establishment of that soybean. And that's what we saw in some scenarios. So things like this year, you know, everything I've been promoting for four or five years those things that I've been promoting, they were really challenged this year because of the lack of timely rainfall. So that's going to be something I'll be discussing. Now, because it's been so dry, finally now we're starting to catch some rain. So I don't think carryover is going to be a major problem. Thankfully to these rains we've had. I know these rains are coming in late. And unfortunately, right on the time we're trying to harvest our crops, but we needed this rain. We need to recharge the soil profile for next growing season, Pam, and rain is necessary. So there's microbial activity and there's degradation of these herbicides over time. Because if we were still dry right now, I would be very concerned about carryover into the 2024 crops, which I don't think is going to be a major problem anymore. But again, those are things that we're working now. And then looking at the future, there are some new molecules coming to the pipeline, so we're starting to explore them. Uh, we probably won't see them commercially available for the next five, maybe 10 years from now, so it's going to take a little time. But there are also novel technologies, such as, as we're starting to hear more the see and spray technologies out there, technologies that allow farmers to apply herbicide only where the weeds are within their fields. Okay, And we're starting to do some of that work. That's, those technologies are coming. Some of the units are starting to be sold out there. We want to make sure that if our farmers or if our large co-ops are going to go that route, we want to be able to provide data to them on how to best adopt this technology. So here's, again, what I just described is a classic example of what's happening now versus what might be happening in the future. And we're trying to do a little bit of both here so we stay relevant to our clientele. Again, helping to drive your value in that crop you're producing. This time around, specifically focused in on soybeans. Dr. Rodrigo Worley, University Extension Weed Specialist, along with us. Always want to remind you again, uh, the work that he does, when you see him at Arlington or you see him at your county meeting or see him at Corn Soy Expo, just always remember, you're a part of that research. If you're a Wisconsin soybean grower, your soybean checkoff dollars help to fuel the passion that you can hear Dr. Rodrigo Worley has for the information he's bringing to you. And that enthusiasm is shared, that passion is shared by the others on the team, Dr. Sean Conley, our University Extension Soybean Specialist, Dr. Damon Smith, our University Extension uh, Plant Pathologist. He is uh, working nonstop to 
come up with uh, solutions for you on questions that you may have in the growing season of 2024. Want to follow along? Want to see more about how your checkoff dollars are being channeled to help you get answers? Go to wisoybean.org or coolbean.info. And Rodrigo, I know that uh, you, Dr. Conley, Dr. Smith, you guys are all grateful not only for the interaction with growers, the financial support from the soybean checkoff dollars, but you, you just are grateful that you get a chance to follow your passion. Yes, no, that's spot on, Pam. I just want to take a minute and thank our growers out there, thank our consultants and our industry. I mean, it's like we said, like I said at the beginning of my uh, conversation here, our industry has been so, so supportive. And I think we, in order to do what we do successfully, uh, we need to have support from our growers, a two-way street, right? They bring us the questions, they bring us all the knowledge they have, and hopefully we can help them fine-tune their system. So I want to thank uh, our industry for support. I want to thank you, Pam, for everything you do for us, helping us, getting the message out there, people like you that go above and beyond to support us. Thank you for everything you do for us and for our community. I just wanted to make sure uh, I have the chance to do that. We've been doing these interviews for six years <laughs> It's amazing. I come talk to you here right now. We're redoing our herbicide screenings. Pam, we talked a few weeks ago. I asked, we had this conversation asking for seeds. My office, you wouldn't believe the amount of seeds is showing up. And that's because you're helping us get the word out there. So thank you for everything you do. You worked really hard. It's truly, really, truly really appreciated. We're both driven by our producers and the, the need to serve. Dr. Rodrigo Worley along with us. Again, like I said, you want to find out about some of the projects he's got going on. Uh, like he said right now, collecting water hemp seed samples to hopefully crack that DNA code that might help us with solutions down the road. Go to wisoybeans.org. You can also check out coolbeans.info and remind them what your website is for the the weeds yeah you bet so we like to make it complicated right Pam? we each have our own websites that's how it goes but uh if you're interested in learning more about our work and you know finding we've been posting our results in our website since 2018 lots of great reports in there whiskweeds.info whiskweeds.info that a boy that one we can remember whiskweed w-i-s-c weeds Info. And now you're on top of it all, courtesy of the Wisconsin Soybean Marketing Board.